Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers is proud to sponsor the Ortho Show podcast. Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers is killing it right now. We have six centers open with two more opening in the next eight weeks with 10 more sites in the queue across the country. We're exclusively powered by the MLS M8 laser technology. Laser treatment is an awesome alternative to traditional cortisone shots and surgery for all of your acute and chronic orthopedic pain needs for your patients. To find out how you can supercharge your orthopedic practice and become a part of the OrthoLaser community, go to the OrthoLaser website at www.ortholaserwithaz.com. That's www.ortholaserwithaz.com. From Medical Media, this is The Ortho Show. Hello world, it's Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here to host another episode of The Ortho Show podcast. We're going to Southern California. We've been all over the world, but it's time to get uh, down into the Los Angeles, Orange County area. We have a true California boy who's on with us, who's uh, completely trained out of California. He's been there the whole time. He's at the USC um, uh, residency and then did his fellowship at the Santa Monica Orthopedic uh, Group, which is literally my home away from home. I got to give a shout out to my boys, Bert Mandelbaum, uh, Earhart Gerhart, Clint Soppy, Tommy Knapp, and Rami Modaber. Love you, boys. You're going to get on here soon, too. Uh, basically, uh, Dr. Steve Moore is here, who was the founding partner of Restore Orthopedic and Spine Center uh, out in California, again, with another friend of mine and colleague, Dr. Mike Gilman, uh, who we trained together in residency. Uh, amongst other things, he is also the medical director of the training lab. And this has to be my favorite tagline of any guest we've had so far. He is the, he's an orthopedic surgery consultant for professional combat athletes. God, I love that. How you doing, Steve? Great to have you on, brother. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you so much for being, letting, me, letting me be on this great show. And uh, it's nice to hear those shout outs to those guys that you mentioned at Smog. Some of the best in the world, my mentors, especially uh, uh, Dr. Mandelbaum, my sensei. Uh, great guy, great place uh, uh, to learn. Thank you once again for letting me be on the show. And I love your fro, by the way. You look really good for a Sunday morning. <laughs> the, fro, <laughs> the, the fro is out large and in yes, charge today. That is for sure. Uh, Bert Mandelbaum, I love Bert. He is like uh, the cartilage king. Is that what we can call him? Yes, he is. Definitely is. That's uh, that's what he focuses on, and and the knowledge he passes on is uh, uh, about the cartilage is incredible. It's, it's unbelievable that you can. And we can talk about cartilage all day. <laughs> all day long. And ACL prevention, too. He's a big yeah. part of ACL prevention. We know that that's a big thing for him. And yeah. I, I've spent uh, – I, I am literally probably almost a member at LACC for the amount of times that I go out and play golf with those guys out there. For They are, are, are truly uh, dear, dear friends of mine. So it's a great circle to be able to bring you on and, and have so many uh, friends in common, that's for sure. So yeah. listen, dude, you've got you've got so many great stories. I'm not even sure where to start, but so I think what we ought to do is just like let's go from the beginning, right? Because you you have a remarkable story as to how you got into orthopedics. So you got to share this. Thank you, I will. But you know there are um, numerous facets to my life, but I'll be honest, they're they're all intertwined, they're all connected. 
uh, there's something about uh, one that led to another that led to another. But yes, it starts in the beginning. I'd say you could say it starts in the beginning where uh, I grew up in Peru. You know, that in, in and of itself leads to further stories as to why I do medical missions to Peru and things like that. And I was run over by a commuter bus on a very busy street. I was doing what uh, what kids do, you know, when you're uh, when you're young, three, four uh, in, a, in that country. You're playing in the street or, you know, putting little cans on the street and watching the cars smash them and what you do is you you try to line them up best so that the car will smash them and then you win but unfortunately as i was putting the can down and i moved away to uh to get away from the bus uh, i slipped you know gravel slipped fell and, and then I, I got run over by a bus and it mangled my legs i had open bilateral femur fractures mm. and when you're young uh you know you have growth plates uh that can that are affected by these types of fractures uh, big open wounds. It was not a good situation for my family, but uh, you know, I got through all that. Unfortunately, it led to uh, uh, late effects, uh, those associated with osteomyelitis of growth plates. As I grew uh, grew up in Peru, uh, my legs started uh, to want to go east while I was staying uh, heading north. So I had a valgus deformity, a terrible valgus deformity that led to maltracking of the patella. And, you know, I had a nine centimeter uh, growth disturbance. Mm. And fortunately, you know, my uh, uh, my father uh, actually worked for an American company in, in Peru, and I was able to come to Peru here or uh, to, to uh, U.S. And I received treatment at Shriners Hospital for Crippled Children. That's what it was called back then. Now they call it uh, Children's uh, uh, Shriners uh, Hospital. But I received treatment by some of the best orthopedic surgeons around, uh, Dr. Wilbur Weston, uh, who is a, a well-known pediatric orthopedic surgeon. Colin Mosley, who developed the, the, the growth chart for leg length discrepancies. And it's amazing. There I am with a leg length discrepancy, you know. Mm. So I got treated by these wonderful people. And, and I was able to then see what orthopedic surgery was all about. I saw what they did. I knew I had good hands. I enjoyed taking things apart, putting things back together again. And I saw a good fit. You know, orthopedic surgery, these guys, they helped my family. Uh, I, I, uh, I felt like, uh, you know, I, I received compassionate care and, uh, from people that do things that I could, that I saw myself doing. And I thought to myself, you know, orthopedics might be uh, something to go into. Actually, it wasn't just might. it was like, I'm going to go into orthopedic surgery, especially once when, uh, I'll tell you what was the moment I was at Shriners hospital. Uh, it was, uh, I was, I was watching a, a janitor, you know, clean the place up. Like at the end of the day, he was near the, uh, OR that opened the double, these double doors that opened. And back then kids could walk, go around everywhere at the hospital. And I, and I whispered to him, I said, Hey, Isaac, will you let me go in there? You know, he wasn't supposed to, I didn't have scrubs on or anything. Uh, it was the end of the day. So he opened the door for me. I, I wheeled in with my little wheel cart and I saw this chrome, you know, aluminum, uh, uh, the colors, you know, blue, uh, and I was just mesmerized by the experience. And I said, wow, this is where I want to be. How, how old were you at that moment? Uh, at that moment, I believe I was around eight. <laughs> so, so you definitely get the award for the earliest decision to become an orthopedic surgeon on the yeah. ortho show to date. Uh, that's, that's an amazing story. And you had, so did you have the Elizarov or lib lengthening and all that as well? I mean, how long were you in the hospital for? Uh, back then, uh, the way Shriners would work is they, they would just keep the kids in the hospital until they were literally healed or until that treatment was done. 
Um, I had numerous surgeries. I had the, a Wagner leg, length, uh, a leg lengthening, a uniplanar device, very big pins, uh, uh, osteotomy, the femur, uh, that everything went well with that. Absolutely great. I was able to, to get my almost, you know, a very good corrective uh, lengthening done. But I also had an ephesiothesis on the other side, which means they slow the other side down. They lengthen the other side. Um, so that was like the last, one of the last procedures, as well as an Emsley triop procedure for the maltracking, uh, osteotomy for my, my femoral valgus, uh, a number of other procedures for the, for the, uh, infection early on. So I had a lot of experience there and yes, you stayed there. You didn't just go home. There's no outpatient surgery at Shriners. Not back then. You know, it was a big ward, three wards, uh, uh, uh older kids, little tiny kids and medium sized kids. And it was a community, you know, this is, I just have to say, I got to give a shout out to Shriners LA and, uh, 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 and the people that support Shriners. I'm telling you, that was a life-changing experience in so many ways. Uh, not only did they take, take care of me and, and plant a seed uh, for me to go into medicine, but they also planted a seed in, my, in me to do volunteer work, uh, to pay it forward. Uh, you know, the, the compassion there was amazing, but, uh, yeah, I was there for, for a very long time because that's, that's the way it was. You know, you just stayed yeah. there. Yeah. How many, how many operate, you must know, how many operations did you have? I ended up having seven surgeries, not too bad. I mean, compared to some of my patients, you know, seven yeah. surgeries, but I have to tell you one side effect of all this. Sure. And it's a funny story that I tell, I usually tell this to, to, uh, to, uh, to ladies. Okay. Say, you know, even though I'm only 5'10 right now, you're looking at a 5'10 guy. But, but genetically, I was made, I was actually like a 6'2 guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm actually, I was meant to be like 6'2, man. You did, dude, you walk around like you're 6'2. Everybody knows you're 6'2. <laughs> yeah, just in case anyone's wondering about my genes, you know, my father is tall. That's you so know, but they, they slowed down my growth on one side. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so, so one of my favorite social media posts that you posted, it was only like a month ago, is that you were putting your brace on and you made a point of showing your knee. And, and I mean no disrespect, but I mean, if there's an ugly knee competition, you're winning it every time. Yes. Um, I've only seen maybe one patient that came close and he's on my Instagram page. I actually show him <laughs> that there's somewhere. He was in a, motor, a motorcycle accident, but that was close. You know, I had big open wounds, like a big, in, in Peru, uh, and even here back, you know, years ago, you have a big open wound. I had cerclage wiring of my, of my distal femur, you know, and, and I still remember, it's amazing. I, I remember the wires, like in the wound when it became infected. And uh, so, you know, when you have a wound that's <laughs> probably four centimeters, you know, four centimeters wide and, you know, like 10 centimeters long, it takes a long time for that thing to heal. You know, just yeah. secondary intention healing, man. It took a long time for that thing to close up. So it's an ugly wound. And then the Wagner device, you know, the leg lengthening uh, uniplanar device, it was meant to have very big pins. So I got these things that look like bullet holes uh, in me, which is nothing really. But, you know, it's it took a long time for me to get over my uh, the, the, the look of my knee. I didn't wear shorts until I was 23. Uh, I, I was always embarrassed to change in the, you know, in the, in the locker room, you know, in junior high, uh, um, it, it was traumatic, you know, wounds are, are traumatic and it actually had an effect on me even now to the point that when I close, I do my very best to provide the best closure 
Uh, I don't use staples because I've got these terrible track marks on my knee. So it all, you know, like I said, everything has a, 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 an effect on something else. So my own ugly knee, which I don't mind actually putting on shorts. And now I actually wear like very short shorts. I don't mind. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't worry about that too much anymore because it's a story that I like to tell. And I, and I hope that I can motivate people and inspire people uh, who have similar uh, physical problems uh, by just having the, the, the ugly knee as a prompt. Yeah. yeah. Come on, and, bring it on. Who's yeah. got the ugly yeah. knee? Yeah. No, man, <laughs> you, you, own, you own it. You know, it's your badge of honor now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something, you know, it's, it's brought you to this moment in time where now you're a healer and you're helping as many people as you can. And so it's just, that's just a re really remarkable story. So, so one of the other things that I really find remarkable about your clinical practice, which I think is really quite unique in orthopedics, is that uh, you're, you're a doctor to the UFC fighters and uh, you take great pride in it and, uh, and, and they come to you and, and you're the guy. So tell us how, how all of this evolved that you got there, because that's certainly not a, a typical path. Uh, no, it's not typical and it's not, uh, it certainly wasn't handed to me, quit type of approach. And they started, they befriended me uh, and they got to know that I was, I was a big surgeon. Like it's not every day you get to meet a surgeon. So these guys were like, oh, hey, my knee hurts and this hurts and that hurts. So I started to take care of one at a time. And uh, it, it was before UFC actually became what it is now. I'm talking about years ago, you know. And I also met other people that were involved taking care of fighters, including the, the OC fight doc who I collaborate with. And I, I created a network of, of, of people that could help these guys. I met some of these guys, which later became champions like Rampage Jackson and a few other guys. Uh, and because, you know, you take care of one person, like we all know in, orth in orthopedics or in medicine, you, you take care of the person in front of you, you take care of them really well. They will refer others to you. And because they're in a, they're in a circle where they, their friends are fighters, I started to get another one, another one, another one. And then, then I started to realize, you know, this is really interesting. These guys are, are, are all hurt uh, in the same way that, you know, uh, people in other careers are hurt. Uh, and then I, I realized also they are big into social media. So there you go. That is the next, uh, you know, the next story, right? Social media. Because one of them said, hey, Doc, are you on Twitter? I'm like, no. I, what, 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 what's, what's <laughs> I'm a Twitter? doctor. What do I need to be yeah. on Twitter for? Exactly. And, and, and then, I, then I realized, you know, this is a great opportunity to, to communicate with my patients, actually. You know, they send me DMs. Hey, Doc. Uh, I didn't mind having an open door sort of approach to taking care of, of these guys because that's what they need. You know, this is what I meant by building a niche in this area. You can't be a standoffish doc with with some of these folks. They sometimes they need to be seen today. Uh, something happened while they were preparing for a fight. Uh, you know, they, they have their own culture, and you have to understand that culture. And if they have to, uh, if it takes two days to get back to them, uh, it's not a good thing. You know, I've had fighters champion fighters i'm not even tell you who they are but guys that are at the top of the game right now come to my house actually uh to to get seen like a week before the fight actually yeah it's before they actually have to fly out they usually fly out one week before and say hey doc you think i can make it you think it's gonna work i mean can i i can should i should i say no or should i just go for it you know and there's these moments where people have to uh, you know, they have to search deep for the answer. And, and I have been there to help them with their answers, you know, and that's what it takes to take care of these guys. Yeah. And, and it's a different set of rules, right? I mean, these guys are all hurt. 
probably, you know, all the time. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to go on this fight doc, you know, what can you do to get me better? And so you have, you're, you're, it's not like your average 18 year old comes in with an ACL tear and you're figuring out when they're going to go back to play, you know, college football. So it's a, uh, it's the timing of the entire process and the rules are bent a little bit, I'm sure. Uh, the rules are bent, you know, in, a, in an interesting way, which, uh, which has led me to look at how I practice and how I do my surgeries and, and, and how I can help that 18 year old kid you know, that's going to go to college or has an issue, uh, you know, because of their need to be uh, prepared to fight, prepared to go into camp. You know, camp is is the moment they start to train as though they're going to fight, you know. So they're they're going 100 percent in camp, which is a couple of months before the fight. Uh, so they have it's hard for them to be kept immobilized. It's it's hard. It's actually impossible in some cases, especially if they're going to fight. So then I've, I've fine tuned my practice to. Uh, including my surgical approach to do what I call a bulletproof approach or a belts and suspenders type of approach with everything that I do, because I, I know that uh, they're going to test the repair like no other. And, and they do every one of them does. And, uh, and you know what? They're fine. They're, they're fine. Uh, so then it's, it's made me rethink about how I treat my uh, everybody actually in terms of non weight bearing 12 weeks, geez, it's like, uh, you know, you're non for 12 weeks, you're done for a year. You know, you know how that is, right? Takes sure, sure. Time. So meniscus repairs, ACLs, uh, uh, anything I do, cartilage work, anything I do uh, to them, uh, it's, I, I know it has to be done in a rock solid uh, way. So, you know, in the end, I may, uh, you know, you, you get to know these guys, but in the end, what matters is also results, right? Results matter. So, uh, you know, so that's actually another reason why I continue to see the patients because, or continue to see them. Yeah. So that's, so that's fascinating. So, you know, you've got these guys that are going to push your repairs and your surgeries to the absolute limits and you're watching them. It's a, you know, it's this sort of laboratory over time and you're, and they actually are doing well and they're, they're progressing and they're doing okay. And so then now you're going to apply it to your regular athletes or their regular patients. You may now accelerate a rotator cuff and allow them to have early range of motion rather than keeping them in an abduction pillow for six weeks. Uh, you, you know, you're not going to keep a, a meniscal repair non-weight bearing for three months. You're going to allow them to, you know, get going earlier. And so those lessons that you've learned with the elite fighters uh, can be applied to your regular athletes as well. Pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one more thing I want to mention because it actually is very, uh, uh, it's part of my practice too. Because I take care of UFC and MMA fighters, another group that just started to come along, which is also a group that requires special care and handling, and they have their own culture, uh, are law enforcement officers. You know, I actually have a huge uh, law enforcement officer practice. Uh, take, I take care of a lot of the Anaheim PD, Santa, Santa Ana PD, LA. Uh, and it, it, once again, it wasn't something that was just handed to me. It was I, I saw a need. You know, they're injured in the same way that fighters are injured. Uh, they also need to put food on their table. So it's uh, it's been a good uh, thing, a good experience treating the fighters because it allowed, it's, it's allowed me to to tweak my practice in a way that it's benefited everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. So one of the other things that um, we're going to move to a different space now that, that you're a big believer in is regenerative medicine. Um, so, you know, you routinely talk about PRP and stem cells and and so how are you using that in your clinical practice? Has it really been more focused on the elite athletes or are you still as well 
offering and using that successfully in, in the everyday patient as well? Well, you know, the way I got into regenerative medicine was because of my own uh, problem. You know, I, uh, I actually now suffer from post-traumatic arthritis of the knee. My knee, if you look at it inside, it's just as ugly as outside. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a walnut, man. It looks like a walnut. There is no smooth surface. You know, like the, the, the patellofemoral joint is non-existent. And I, and I think about uh, the fact that I have a, 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 a couple of kids in college uh, my practice is still, uh, you know, on the upswing. I, I just don't see myself taking the time off. And not only that, I can see myself getting an infection because I have this terrible, terrible uh, adhered scar. So then I thought to myself, you know, what else can I be, do to help me with my own problem? And I started looking at bone marrow stem cells, lipogems. I was one of the first, first people that got lipogems in this area. I got it, you know, by, by, by the developer from Italy. And, uh, and then I, I saw the benefit. It benefited me. I have a, you know, a, a knee that no one else has. And if it could benefit me, it has to benefit my patients. So I saw, I, so I do PRP for, uh, for arthritis, uh, post meniscus repair to try to reinforce the, the biology that's going on post, um, uh, uh, rotator cuff repair, uh, anything that, that requires healing, uh, and, or anywhere where there is arthritis. Uh, but I'm also a, a realist. I know what these problems look like inside from doing arthroscopy. So some, you know, you have a full thickness rotator cuff tear that's flapping in the wind. You might help with a little bit of pain, but you're not going to help with a lot of things. So I'm a realist. I try to guide my patients, but I'd say that as far as, um, uh, uh, you know, what I'm using, I'm using those products, but also, but mostly for post, uh, post-surgical. Um, I, I networked uh, with uh, Donnie Buford in Texas uh, recently, uh, helped him out a little bit on his lab. I was also a guinea pig in Las Vegas on his last lab. We he, love uh, Donnie. Donnie's one of our favorites. So uh, yeah, great I, to have yeah. you guys together. Yeah, man. You know, it's, it's wonderful. Our field, and you and I talked about this, you know, it's so interesting that, uh, you know, good people attract good people. You know, like, look, you and I are now are now together. You know, uh, we're, we're now networking. Um, why? Because you have similar interests that I have to educate the public. You know, we have an interest. That's what that's one of our, our the common threads here with Donnie. You know, he's a, he's an intellect. He does. He works on the uh, uh, on the bench uh, on some of the, the research. And, you know, I thought, you know, why not go over there and have him do my uh, bone marrow? So uh, live, you know, we did a, a bone marrow aspirate concentrate injection on my knee. I'm like, I was worried. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I hope I don't scream. He's going <laughs> to stick this choke army and hit it with a hammer live. You know? <laughs> Oh, that's how I tell people we're going to jam this trocar into your yeah. pelvis. I'm like, oh, yeah. my God. Uh, and, 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 you know, so I learned from some of the best, just like I learned from the, from uh, Dr. Manilam, uh, Dr. Knapp. You know, I learned from the best. And I pass it on to people, you know, and that's 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 what's happened with regenerative medicine. That's great. You know, it's funny when I'm in the room and I'm talking to a patient and, and I always offer BMAC, too, as, a, as an option for people that are looking. And I always say, look. If you're going to spend $5,000 for BMAC or whatever the number is, here's Donnie Buford's card, okay? It's it's a $500 round-trip flight to fly down to Dallas out of Boston. Go and have the master do it instead of having somebody else. That's literally what I do because I'm not, I am not in a position at this stage to learn BMAC. Uh, you know, I do a bunch of other stuff, but, you know, I refer it out. But that's uh, Donnie Buford's our guy. We're, uh, we're thrilled to know that you have a connection with him as well. So, so we've talked about a bunch of things. And one of the things that's, uh, that's also near and dear to my heart, which both of us really share, uh, is your branding. It's your messaging. It's your communication 
through social media. And I talk, we talk about this all the time, you know, it's not like the old days where you just hang up a shingle and, and the primary care doctor sends you your patients. What are you doing to separate yourself? You're in Southern California. You're tripping over sports medicine, orthopedic surgeons around every corner, you know, and, and I say it all to the young, to the younger orthopedic surgeons as well. What are you doing to separate yourself? So talk to us about your social media strategy and how that developed. Well, it's a, it's a good story as well. You know, I was um, at LA County USC in, in our uh, resident library sitting there and I was uh, talking to one of the residents who had um, uh, written a, a digital book on how to optimize, uh, you know, or search engine optimization, you know, and I'm thinking like, what, what are you talking about search engine <laughs> optimization? But I was more interested in how are you making money? This is amazing. You're making money while you're sitting here right now. And he was telling me, yeah, you know, uh, this is what I do. So he told me about, about uh, the Internet and how he's making uh, money on this digital book. And I was very interested uh, to the point that I thought, you know, I'm going to buy a domain name. So back then, uh, this is 1997, I bought uh, com myorthodoc.com. Now, why did I buy that, that, that domain name? Because I thought, you know, it's kind of easy to remember. Hey, who's your orthodoc? My orthodoc is Steve Moore. So uh, it's sort of like a, uh, you know, easy way to remember because you, you know, other than, other than the name, but some people can't remember the name, the doctor's name. So then I got, I got my domain name and I was interested in, uh, in social media or actually just the internet. I created some web pages. I, I made numerous web pages of my orthodoc. And my interest of, of search engine optimization kept growing. I was, you know, always trying to figure out how to organically get my webpage up high. I mean, that's you know part of the process without spending any money. So I, I did that, and then, and then uh, it wasn't until I started to meet the fighters who I told you about, and even uh, and and some other people that told me about social media like Facebook and Twitter uh, for certain reasons. Like I did my medical missions, and all the mission people were on Facebook. Fighters were on Twitter back then. And then one day I was talking to uh, Mike Bisbeing, who's a well-known UFC fighter. I was I was fixing his laceration just before a fight, and uh, which I can say that because he actually posted on uh, on social media, so it's not private. And he said, uh, "Hey, Doc," with his British accent, "Why aren't you on Instagram?" And I said, "I'm on Twitter." And he goes, "Twitter is dead. Not for us. You got to be on Instagram." The gram. You got to be on the gram, Doc. Yeah, you be on the gram. <laughs> so like, but that's just a bunch of pictures, man. No, you can put you know, videos and stuff. So I started to get an interest in that. Uh, it's uh, my So I opened up an Instagram page, Steve Mora, MD. But, you know, let's talk about branding and let's talk about social media. I'll tell you this right now. I did give talks about social media to the uh, at numerous orthopedic societies. Uh, you know, big lecture hall. I'm at, I'm at the lectern and there's like five people there, you know. So I thought, hey, this is, this is okay. But that's true. I mean, orthopedic yeah. surgeons were not necessarily looking yeah. into to this as a, a way to be able to promote themselves. They're not, but they don't realize the power, you know, the power of being 100%. able to communicate. Yes. People uh, in the old days, uh, the academicians were the ones that, uh, you know, that had the spotlight on them at conferences. And I thought to myself, you know, it's, I'm not going to be uh, doing, uh, uh, doing, conferences all the time. Why don't you use social media? It's free. It, it's literally a, a free way to communicate. And I've learned uh, from uh, trial and error, there's certain things people want. And if you approach it as a way to educate, uh, educate. So who are you educating? The masses. So if you're going to speak to the masses, how are you going to speak to the masses? You need to use the terminology that you use if you're talking to your family or your friends or the person in front of you. Like, 
Howard Lux, another social media giant from New York. I'm not sure if you know him. Do you know Howard? No, I don't. No. Right, Howard, like L-U-K, Howard. He taught me you know, that speak, you know, if you're going to do a podcast or if you're going to do a, 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 a video, pretend it's your last patient of the day. You have a meniscus tear. This is what I'm going to do. And record yourself and, and as though you're speaking to the patient. And, uh, and so I started to apply that. Uh, and, uh, and plus I have a way, I, I know people need to understand what they're about to get into, man. You're about to cut into them. You know, you're about to change their life. You're about to make history uh, for them. You need to be able to, to teach them what you're about to do so that they have confidence in you and confidence in what's about to be done and confidence in their decision. So uh, I use social media as a way to communicate to my own patients. A lot of patients follow me on Instagram and I use social media to educate the masses. And I use social media such as YouTube to, to show procedures. And I also have, a, uh, you know, some things that I, uh, that I learned not to do. And if there are orthopedic surgeons or physicians out there that want to get into this, don't show bloody pictures. Don't show pictures of shrapnel like open wounds, unless you're just showing it to orthopedic surgeons. But if you're going to educate the masses, you're going to just get a small following of people that are into that those horrific, horrific pictures or orthopedic surgeons. And that's all you're going to do. I mean, that, yeah. that's it. So don't, that's not how, what you want. That's not the, that's the, well, for me, it's the wrong approach. Yeah, keep, keep it to the civilians. They're civilians. They're yeah. not, they're not doctors. They yeah. want to know, they want to see the good stuff. They don't want to see the gory stuff. I agree. But your content is great. I mean, is it, is it your, are you doing this on your own? And you've got, you clearly have someone helping to, to photograph because I, you have great images all the time. I love your, you're getting your hands washed by the, uh, by the OR. And, you know, you're just, you got lots of great content. Is it mostly yours? Do you have somebody helping you? Are you ready for this, man? Are you yeah, ready for the answer? Give it, give it to me. It's got to be one hundred percent me. Yeah, I love it's it. One hundred percent me. This is I what I it. do. This is what I do. <laughs> I have an artistic side to me. I, I actually, I, I, I had this fleeting idea of being an artist at one point. So I, you know, I have. I, I believe I have a good eye. I have good hands. So what I do is I tell whoever, whatever rep is is there or nurse. I'll, 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 I'll tell them. Grab my phone. Do this. Do this. This is the view. This is how I want it. You're gonna you're gonna start here. You're gonna go over there. You're gonna zoom here. You're gonna back up, and I'm gonna say, "This is Dr. Mora bringing you Mora cutting edge orthopedic surgery." Thank you very much. So then uh, I have a, a system on my phone. I do everything on my on my on, a, on my and phone. It's, it's so authentic and it's so well received, and that's why it's you. I mean, that's why it comes across that way as as really being you know really quite remarkable. Well, let me tell you one one last thing about that shot. Sure. That, sure. Uh, People uh, who want to get into it, you have to be yourself. You have to be yourself because if you're not yourself, if you, it, it's not going to work. I always say you can't outsource your personality. You just can't outsource it. You know, like uh, you know, you have you have a unique personality, and I have a unique personality. We all do as physicians. But if you outsource your personality, it's going to be obvious, and people are not going to come in saying like, uh, or feel like they know you already. People come to see me. And they already, they feel like they know me because you know what? They do know me a little bit. They know because I'm authentic on social media. So be authentic. That's fantastic advice. And now, you know, Steve, this is, this is wonderful. I can't thank you enough for taking some time out to come on the show. This is what we do best. We allow orthopedic surgeons to come on, tell their, their remarkable, unique stories as to what they're doing in practice. You're a great healer. Uh, we really appreciate all that you're doing and really thank you for being on the show. No, thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on the show. It's uh, it's a great opportunity to 
to to get out there to uh, meet more people. I'll be more than happy to uh, you know to 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 chat with people after this on my on on, on any platform they want. I mean you know Twitter or Instagram or whatever they want. I mean I'm, I'm very approachable, but I love this opportunity and I love the opportunities that it's going to bring because everything we do you know, has uh, some sort of a long lasting effect. So thank you so much, uh, Scott and Dr. Gilman, my uh, partner and innovator. He told me that uh, you put him, you, you took him through his first um, uh, fra hip fracture, I believe, or hip replacement, you know, and, uh, and I'll tell you that uh, if that was the case, uh, he is a great surgeon. And if, uh, and if you had a part of that, I, I'm, I'm, uh, this is a sincere message to you. Uh, I have to tell you that uh, you made a difference. Well, I'm humbled. Mike is a great man. He is an amazing innovator in, in himself, and we're going to have to get Mike on the show as well. This is uh, fantastic again. I want to sign off at this point. I want to thank our sponsor, OrthoLaser Orthopedic Laser Centers. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.